0: Hello, and welcome to a special football-themed bonus episode of Allegedly Astrology. Dana, what are we covering on this extra cool and special episode?
1: Today, we're talking with astrologer Ricky Williams about his life and career and some Super Bowl predictions. Hell
0: yeah. Welcome, Ricky. We're so glad to have you on this podcast. And if you guys don't know, Ricky is a former NFL player and Heisman Trophy winner. He's the founder of the Leela Astrology app. We use it. We love it. Highly recommend you download. He's also a cannabis entrepreneur, but most importantly, he's an astrologer. Um, He's been studying astrology for about 18 years, so we're so happy to have his wealth of knowledge on this podcast. So, Ricky, can you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and, most importantly, your big three? Oh,
2: yeah. So, I'll start with the big three. Yeah. Uh, So, so, so I uh, have a Gemini sun, my moon is in Cancer in the 10th house, the sun is in the 9th house, and I'm a, a Virgo rising. And so it's, it's interesting, I, I like to tell my story through the astrological lens, because that, that's how I really came onto to astrology, is I was playing football, I was a pretty good football player, and I had this moment in my life where I was thinking, is this really what I want to be doing with my life? And when I sat down and asked that question, it felt like, no, I, I, this is not it. And so I ended up walking away in the middle of my career and traveling around the world, Ninth House, Gemini Sun. And this is before I knew anything about astrology, but something told me like I need to travel. I need to see things. And as I traveled around the world, I had this awareness that I, I don't have a skill. You know, Virgo rising, ah, that I've been playing football my, whole, my football my whole life. I don't have a skill. And then I started reflecting in my life and thinking, well, what do I want to do with my life? Because then that will help me understand what skills I need to develop. And as I reflected, I thought, you know, the thing that makes me feel best is giving people useful perspectives that help them feel better. And I was like, healer. Uh, cancer Moon in the Tenth House. Of course, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, and so again, all of this before I found astrology, and then when I found astrology, I saw that all this part, these things that were going on in my mind, they were right here the whole time, and it just blew my mind that I became obsessed with trying to understand how this how this all works.
0: Wow. And so, how did you find your journey? Obviously, you were you. I'm sure you started self te- like self taught, but did you have a mentor? Like, how did you sort of what what path did you take to, like, learn about astrology in a deeper way?
2: Yeah. So continuing my with my story, when I when I came back from my travels, I uh, I looked I looked online to see if there was any place I could study alternative healing. And there's a school for Ayurveda up in um, Grass Valley, California. And so I enrolled in that class. And part of this, the school was we had a yoga teacher from the local ashram come and teach us asanas in the morning. And after the first yoga class, I was like, I got to get more of this. You know, I said, where can I take more of these classes? And she, she said, come to the ashram. We teach every day. So that following weekend, I went to the ashram. And, and the, head, the head person at the ashram was an astrologer. She's a Vedic astrologer. And someone had told her there's a football player here. And so after the yoga <laughs> after the yoga class, Swami Sita, she came up to me and she said, Where's your Mars? And I and I looked at her and I said, I, I don't know, I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And so she said, Do you know what time you were born? And I, I have a twin sister, so it's part of our story. You're so twin. I was. Like, a yeah.
0: twin? A Gemini who's a twin? Oh my god. Wow. Perfect. So literal. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's real. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we had this we had this amazing conversation about me, you know? And And I was like, this woman who's from a different culture, who doesn't know anything about football and anything, she's seen me more clearly than anyone that I've known my whole entire life. And so that, and she started, she became my teacher and she started to not only teach me yogic philosophy, but she started to teach me astrology. And it's interesting that I I started learning Vedic astrology and Vedic astrology is, is so much connected to mythology. I even traveled to India, visited temples because in India, South India, they have temples to all the planets. Yeah. So I had, I had this really deep, like traditional, like imprinting uh, around astrology, and and it's more intuitive. You know. And then I met a Vedic astrologer who used the, the Western zodiac, and I started to play with. I really liked him, so I started to play with his techniques, and I started looking at the Western zodiac more, and it just started to sing, and it was like. A week later, I dropped I dropped the the, the Vedic um, zodiac, and I and I've been a Western astro- a Western astrologer ever since. But the, the one place where I found the overlap between between Vedic and Western astrology is the use of the nodes, because there is something about Vedic astrology and the nodes that really spoke to my heart uh, deeply. Uh, and and when I got over, I was thinking really reading more just Western astrology that. You know, there is something missing. There is some soul missing. And then I found Stephen Forrest in uh, his evolutionary astrology, and he leans heavily into the nodes. And I started training with this is answering your question. I started training with Stephen. Um, and the first class I took with Steve is he he did he did his nodal interpretation class. And for him, he connects nodes to the to past lives. Mm. And to see him like vibe with the symbols, talking about the nodes. I mean, he's channeling some stuff. It was so profound. And it gave me so much insight into my into myself that, that I was like, this is it. And so I've been like, following, I'm a groupie, I've been following <laughs> Stephen ever, ever since. That's awesome.
1: I love that. Also interesting, not to skip too far ahead, that you you being a Virgo rising and with your Mercury in Taurus, that you've had such a physical sort of introduction to astrology. You were studying sort of like amongst the origin of it. I like that a lot.
2: Also, the Mercury is in the eighth house. And and true. True, true story. Even before all of this, I was I was laying, I was sitting on the beach. I lived in South Beach. I was right on the beach reading, I was reading a book, and, and I had this like insight that so many things around us, music, movies, all they, they feel they felt at the time to me so superficial. And I had this deep insight that they almost come from like somewhere where they actually meant something at some point in time. And and I think that curiosity led me to I remember a couple of months later, I was in the bottom of a twenty-five hundred-year-old temple in India, and it was all in front of me, the dance, the music, you know, and I was like, Oh, okay, I I get it. So I've always had that 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 curiosity to, to like have a felt experience of what lies underneath. That's very cool. Well, you know, I think coming back to what I said about my Mercury is it's for me like I want to get to the bottom of the core principles. And to me, the at, at the bottom of the core principles of all astrological systems are the planets. And there's and that's where there's the most agreement, you know, about what what we mean when we say Venus or Mars. For sure. Um and everything else is just how do you like how do you understand how do you make sense of these of the way these core energies dance and so the other systems again I think that's art but the true science for me is in understanding the, the, the planet. Cool. Wow.
0: Well, I want to get into a little bit of to talk about your retirement um, chart, and we're very excited about this because we've never had a, you know a true celebrity chart that we can <laughs> look at and then actually talk to the person whose chart we're speculating on. And so I know allegedly astrology doesn't have a ton of sports fans, but if you listen to our Man Teo episode, you know how good you have to be to win a Heisman Trophy, even though he didn't win it. But we talked about what a big deal even being nominated for a Heisman Trophy is. Ricky was a Heisman Trophy winner and he, you know, was an amazing football player. And he kind of shocked the the NFL with, with a semi-abrupt retirement. Would that be correct?
2: Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's an understatement.
0: It's an understatement. You know, so you, it was a very shocking, you were, you know, rushing over a thousand yards, right? And you were, but, you know, you decided at that time that you wanted to walk away, but that wasn't your final like retirement of the NFL but it was a pretty big deal and so we'd love to hear about your perspective on it um obviously from you know your personal experience but also you know we would love to look at the charts at at that time
2: yeah so you know as an astrologer for 18 years I I can't separate my personal experience from what's going on as from what's going on astro astrologically um if if that if that makes sense because it's perfect sense it's it's the lens through which I, I, I view the world. There's not a lot of people who have studied astrology that long who have had such intense life experiences and have been so passionate to make sense of them and have had the tools and the free time to be able to do it. So I, it, it gives me it gives me a unique perspective because every time we go back and we remember a, a, something in our past it stores in our mind as a different memory because every time we go back and think about it we have new insight based on the life's experiences right as a kid we go through certain experiences and and as we look back as a, as adults you know it doesn't it's not as heavy as it was as a kid and we can realize oh we can understand what our parents were going through we just have more insight when you have astrology, to, as a, as an, uh, as an, addition to that lens, you get crystal, you get clear. Because to me, it's like the, the planets are always playing and it's not like astrology is outside of of who we are and the more i understand astrology i realize it's just the planets playing and so even when i told the story of sitting in the locker room i was sitting in the locker room talking to my friends and the and the thought popped into my mind is this really what i want to be doing with my life like that was my that was my lived experience of it and if i look astrologically i was going through a a progressed lunar return and my moon is in the 10th house and I have a cancer moon in the 10th house in the, the the universe. And I'm an evolutionary astrologer. So the universe is saying part of my evolutionary journey is moving towards becoming a healer moon in cancer in the 10th. And at the, that time in my life, my progressed lunar return, which makes me more sensitive to, am I on the right path? That's what happened. I realized I wasn't. And then as the, as the story played out, and again, I didn't know anything about astrology. I ended up in Grass Valley becoming studying to become a healer. And so when I look at the astrology of it, and I look at my lived experience of it. I, I don't see that they're I don't see that they're different.
0: That's pretty amazing, honestly. Well, we pulled the chart for for that first retirement is what we'll call it the shocking retirement. Dana, what do you see in Ricky's chart?
1: Um, Your birthday is the day before mine. Which is exciting for me. <laughs> the north node is conjunct his natal Mercury, which is his chart ruler. So that's just putting you in the right spot for where you're supposed to go. Especially like that's insane, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, ins- and also, and then the south node conjunct your natal Uranus. It's like okay, you're completely knocked off your path. You're on your nodal. Well, your nodal opposition hadn't completely started, but in the Placidus, there it's right in the same houses or in the you know reverse houses in the second and the eighth. And I feel like. With the eighth being so much about death, both real and proverbial, and like terms of transformation, that's right on. Your progressed Venus was already past your natal Mercury, which in some ways I always feel like in progressions, to me, when a progressed planet is like past the exact, I feel like that's almost like you, the person knows they've already outlived that story in their life in some way. So even you sitting there in the locker room asking it, it it's something that probably was. In some ways, if you hadn't thought it before, it's like that impulse is living in your body. It's just the first time the thought manifests.
2: Yeah. Also, there's progress Mars supposing my my second house, Uranus.
1: Also, I mean, even just the moon being on your natal Saturn that day—the fastest planet and the slowest traditional planet—being conjunct is sort of. I mean, and the sun was there. It was a right after a new moon. But it looks like it was the same solar lunar phase on that day, then as the one that you were born under. Yeah. Sure was. And then also with your progressed Mercury catching up to your natal Jupiter, like sort of like setting you free, especially in Gemini, letting yeah. you explore the curiosity that maybe isn't always available.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I, I use really tight orbs Do you? With, uh, with progressions. I use like one degree orbs. I'll go to two degrees with Mars and the sun. So looking at the looking at the same the same chart for me, one of the things that, that Stephen teaches, Stephen Forrest, that I, uh, is like so profound is he calls it the breaking of the karmic wave. And the idea when, when transits or progressions, any kind of planetary stimulus affects either the south node or the ruler of the south node, meaning the planet that rules the sign the south node is in, it, it has this deeper karmic effect. And so transiting Saturn at 18 degrees, okay, right, making a tight square to my natal Mars in the eighth, which is the ruler of my south node. So this idea of the reality of old, past, past trauma, you know, surfacing. And right as the Saturn enters the 11th house, 11th house, the groups, people we associate ourselves with, I had that awareness in my, in a locker room. These are not my people. Yeah. Squaring the South Node. My South Node is in Aries. South past life being a warrior. Okay. Being a warrior, Saturn into the eleventh, waking me up to—is this—is this really what I want to do again?
0: Right,
1: again. I like that. It's, it's
0: interesting because you know, like you said, you have sort of a a chart of of someone who wants to be a, a, like a healer and heal people, and yet you found yourself in this warrior position, playing this very violent sport. And I think we're all seeing um, more and more how violent the NFL is and the implications that that has. So it's it's very interesting that you really wanted to. To do the opposite but you know I think it's a very it's very poignant of like just because you're really good at something doesn't mean you need to do that
2: oh this is the this is the lesson of the south node yeah because especially a powerful south node I have south node in in Aries conjunct Mars okay it's like this double symbolism right uh and conjunct venus so i probably was you know loved for what for for what i did
0: you were loved for that you were very well loved
2: (laughs) exactly so so you know so the south node is the pattern that we've been doing over and over and over again and and so it's we have a gift but it's if we keep leaning into that gift it doesn't lead us anywhere right you know we just stay in the same in that same pattern and it gets it becomes empty and so, when for me especially when Mars or the South Node is triggered, these 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 themes come up, and I have the ability to to make a different different choice.
0: Yeah, but that's pretty impressive. I mean, you know, that's not just like, oh, I'm like kind of good at playing the piano. Like you had a lot of people <laughs> wanting you to continue being good at this thing you were really really good at. And so, so this was in t- 2004. All these realizations are sitting in this locker room. You're like, I need to retire, but you didn't end up retiring for good then. So what kind of Drew you back would like to hear sort of the interim between that sort of big epiphany <laughs> and then your actual retirement in 2012
2: yeah it's it, it's, it's textbook because it also it also it also rounds around the, the Mars and the notes right and the, kind of how I started the story and you know sh- shortly after this time I found myself here in Nevada County talking to Swami Sita and the question she asks is where's your Mars? And so I remember sitting, sitting down and talking to her. And at that time, I thought there was no way I'm ever going back to play football. I was running away from my Mars. Okay. And the thing about the South Node, it, it can be problematic, but we can't escape it. It's who, it's a part of who we are. We just have to learn to use it differently. And so in that conversation, Swami Sita, she talked about the South Node and she talked about the habit I, I had of creating stressful situations. And the thing about the south node, it's so habitual, we don't even tend to think about it. But when she said that to me, I was like, oh, oh, right? And it also, being in, a, in a, with the a yoga teacher and starting to learn from her, she introduced something called Dharma, you know, that we all have a purpose, okay? And so she helped me realize that I had a purpose in life and it wasn't running away from the Mars, it was learning how to use it in a way that wasn't destructive, that was actually constructive. And you'll see a lot of healers have very powerful Marses because in order to give that healing energy, you got to have some energy, right? Right. Even if we think of doctors, right? Even the, the terminology, we fight disease, right? So healers, I mean, you need to have a strong Mars. If you don't, if you don't have a lot of vitality as a healer, then you become diminished. And so it's, for me, is about turning that the energy because my the ruler of my North node, my North node is is Libra. Is in Libra the ruler. Venus is right back in the eighth house in Aries, conjunct, conjunct the, the Mars in the, the node. So I couldn't run away from it. I just had to change my orientation to it. And so when I came back a year later, I was a different person, you know. And it was, and I was more conscious. You know, I was realizing that I have this opportunity. I have a platform. I can use yeah. this to 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 heal people, and so I've been able to transform my platform as a football player So now I'm talking about cannabis and the way it opened my mind, and I can help open other people's minds, and it can bring this deep kind of healing. I'm talking about astrology and the kind of astrology that I do. It's it's everything I do. It's healing astrology. Yeah.
0: interesting. You're so f- ahead of your time because I think a lot. You know, I think a lot of those years in in between your first and second were sort of marred a little bit by cannabis fines and and stuff. And, you know, I think it's unfortunately the the rhetoric around marijuana then was not what it is now. So, I you know, I'm sure it would have been a little bit different for you. But so you went back, obviously, you're like, I can use my Mars in a different way. Obviously, it, you know, it, it affected you, you know, in, in a lot of ways you were learning. But what, what led you to finally be able to, like, leave the NFL for good?
2: I was ready. You know, It was like, the, the whole point of coming back was to kind of clear my name, you know, so, the, so that I could rebuild, so that I could have a platform. Because the way I left the first time, it was just so dark that it would have been, I wouldn't have been able, it would have been very difficult to rebuild a platform. Yeah. The easiest way is to come back, to clear my name, you know, and then and then I, had a, I have a platform. And so when I... When I had my final uh, my final game with the with the Ravens, that next week I uh, I went to a class and I was learning about another another class, you know, Virgo ninth house Gemini, <laughs> where I was learning an, another healing modality, and I just realized this is what I love to do, and I don't need to go back. And so, and I had a a, it's a second retirement. Okay, that this date is, yeah. I had a, a conversation with Bill Parcells, who, who's someone I really really respected. And I, you know, he's, he epitomized football to me. And the message he sent to me was you can contribute in other ways, you know, don't chase this thing too long. And that really hit me. And it kind of gave me permission to say it's it's time to, to, to go on to the next chapter.
0: Beautiful. Which is pretty amazing. You know, and for those who don't know, Bill Parcells is a pretty legendary football coach, but it's pretty impressive for someone who's, you know, his job is to be a football coach and, you know, to not pressure you into doing something that, you know, would have benefited, you know, you know, his his job and stuff. So I think that's, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. And I think, you know, now, again, like, with everything, like sort of LeBron's company talking about more than an athlete, again, like you were really at the forefront of trying to be more than an athlete, you were able to do something really unique and different. And, you know, obviously, you had a very strong pull for that. But I think not everyone would necessarily have the courage um, to sort of go that route. So that's really interesting. But I know, so Dana, you pulled the chart.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything Alicia said. I think that something, not everyone um, is a professional athlete. In fact, most people aren't, obviously. And so, but so many people I think can maybe connect to wondering like, hey, is this, am I in the right thing? And for most people, the answer is, yeah, you are. Like you'll just find little parts of your day you know, that to fill the parts of your, you know, that are different. But I think that for some people, it re- they really might not be in the right career, right? You had you this, you had something that most people would be, find it so hard to walk away from. And I think that a lot of people, what I'm saying other than that, I think it's really inspiring altogether. So anyway, February 7th, <laughs> 2012, the first thing I saw was that the your progressed moon and progressed ascendant are conjunct in Libra in your second house. I like that. When you uh, initially retired, the, I didn't say this before, but your progressed ascendant was conjunct your natal and progressed pluto and that does really speak pluto, to sort of yeah. what you just said like it's sort of like leaving not necessarily on the best note finally the moon catches up your moon is in such a beautiful spot in your natal chart and it's sort of like this peaceful uh departure especially in libra i mean it was in libra before but libra pluto libra sort of like i'm getting the fuck out of here and then <laughs> like once the moon is there it's sort of like all right we can do this harmoniously it's close to your natal your uh your north node Saturn's also there too. Transiting Saturn um, had just crept back in to make its last like little hurrah in uh, Libra and Saturn is exalted in Libra where it's sort of like, all right, I can do this peacefully. Let me do this like for myself and for other people. And then you also have this thing that I love so much. Okay, so the transiting south node is exactly conjunct your natal Jupiter. And then Jupiter had just transited your natal south node. So that dual activation again. And so then I like, have to think, like, you've talked so much about the south node. That's so interesting to me that that's showing up. I mean, transiting Jupiter's in Taurus and his natal south node is in Aries. So within the past year, that would have happened where the Jupiter and the south node were in your reverse signs in your natal chart, being Aries and Gemini. Again, to sort of, like, release yourself from this story you've told yourself, especially with Jupiter and Gemini, I think that you can get sort of stuck in the stories. I mean, I have Jupiter and Gemini, so does Elise. And it's sort of like the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. It's like we don't have to believe them if if we know they're not true anymore. It's
0: what my therapist tells me all the time. Hey. <laughs> so
2: It's true. But I think that one of the things about I, I've learned to honor, to honor things instead of defend against them. Because to me, the honor of the story, when you honor the stories, you realize when they're over, you know, because every story, right, there's an ending. And so if you honor the whole story. So as I look at this, uh, at this date, my progressed Jupiter it was it 18 degrees? Can still conjunct my midheaven, making a square to my ascendant. And so, this idea of ready for something more, ready for something bigger, ready for something greater, it's, it's time. Um, also, and you, you mentioned like this letting go, okay? Um, transiting Neptune in the sixth, letting go of work, okay? Transiting Neptune, moving through the sixth, making a square, making a square to my natal sun. You know, ninth house, I'm ready for something different, ready for a new adventure. Letting go of this this role and, and and yeah, you 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 know you nailed it. I think the progressed moon uh, and the progressed descendant, okay, opposing the rulers of my nodes, both of my nodes. Okay, this major opportunity to... To right to move from the Aries to the to the Libra, it's time. It's time. The the beautiful thing about evolutionary astrology is we look at everything occur. Life happens for us, not to us. Something triggers in your chart is because it's time for this part of you to evolve. It's time. It's time for a change.
1: I like. I like that too. I also feel like so both retirement charts have the Moon in Leo, where your natal Saturn is, and if any. any two planets were to, like, equate to the sentence, it's time, it would be the moon and Saturn.
0: Well, I like that you talked a little bit about, like, you know, obviously, you got a lot of clarity about your career path. And, you know, but astrology has obviously led you to have a greater understanding of relationships. And, you know, I think we have a lot of, you know, obviously, women are very drawn to astrology, Um, for 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 many reasons Um, and men kind of poo poo it for a better you know lack of a better term and so like how did how do you feel that you know men can kind of what do you think they're missing out on by kind of not really like looking into astrology obviously not everyone has to study astrology in the way that you have but what 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 do you feel like people men especially who may or may not be listening to this episode can, like, yeah. can learn from astrology
2: well i mean the first thing that comes to mind is the idea that you know men typically like associate with liking power mm-hmm. you know and we have this idea of knowledge is power i feel like since i you know the more i study astrology my iq just keeps going up because i understand i just understand things better you know i'm, I'm less surprised because i have a, a knowledge of how things work so i, I think but i think the, the root thing at the the, that's keeping people from really appreciating what astrology can offer is faith faith you no know? because to me as a ninth house sun conjunct Jupiter you know my I have this this drive trying Pluto I have this drive to understand I grew up in a very religious family and so just in the core there is some belief that you know there's a we live in a meaningful universe and I think that drive to like find out like I look around and I don't see that any proof that we live in a meaningful universe and so I just kept looking and looking and looking and when I found astrology it was the first thing that like that fit that there's a possibility that this could help you know prove that this is a meaningful universe and the more time and energy I've put into understanding and, and learning how to how to how to interpret the symbols you know that it's It's paid off because I I have a a greater sense of appreciation and understanding. And it's a faith that's not built in belief. It's built in, you know, every day when I talk to people about their charts and I'm looking at a two dimensional diagram and, and explaining, you know, talking about the symbols. And I see not that it's right or accurate, but I see how meaningful it is in helping them connect to their to themselves and their own life's journey. You know, that's that's all the proof that I need.
0: I love that. Dana, I sent Dana like a a quote from an astrology book that I um, stumbled upon this weekend. And it's from an astrologer. They explain it that originally astrology was not separate from astronomy. They were sort of like two wings of the same butterfly, like left brain, right brain um, and just like a more symbolic way of looking at things. And it's really meant to help you realize your connection to the cosmos and learn about like the cycles that occur both in nature and our lives. Um, It's sort of like implying that what's going on in the heavens mirrors what's happening on Earth. And if we can sort of understand the cycles of these planets and we can understand how that applies to the cycles in our lives. And, you know, I think people think of astrology as just like, oh, it's like you're telling the future or I have no say in my destiny, but it's not like a you know, determinative map where you have no choice, right? You look at a map all the time and you can decide where to go, but you kind of co-create with the planets. And that's really like resonated with me of like, you know, people kind of assume that astrology is this like blind belief in just like whatever is going to happen is going to happen, but you you have a choice, right? And you're not... Like it's a certain things maybe are predetermined, but not like you have a choice in how you respond to those things.
1: Something a lot of um, clients come to me with is asking like what type, what signs are bad for me? What signs should I be looking for in terms of dating other people? And I feel like, uh, I mean, my number one goal is to like relieve certain anxieties, especially for ones that like I've already lived through. So other people don't have to experience them. Which is just that at certain times in your life, you're going to have relationship transits and those are going to be times when you get into meaningful relationships and the signs of those people won't really, it won't be, that won't matter. It won't be like, those things aren't really within your control. You have to sort of, like Ricky says, like the planets are dancing, like you, you have to, you know, go with it. Um, That's how I think it at least.
2: Oh yeah. I think it's, I think it's beautiful. So what I started doing when I'm talking to people about their charts, because because most of my clients are men who've never had anything, any relation to astrology ever. And so, and I do really deep astrology. So I'm having to like, how do I bridge this gap in an hour, hour and a half to, to have a meaningful conversation where we both feel like you got something from it. And so I've, I've had to think about how to introduce astrology to, to a newbie. And it's, it's cool. Because to me, you know, we hear people say, uh, you know, in order to be happy in a relationship, I have to first be happy with myself. I have to love myself. I have to have a good relationship with myself. Okay. And, but what does that really mean? And I think astrology gets takes us right to the core is to me, I, it's you have to have a good relationship with your planets. You know, because when you hear people say, I love this part about me, I don't like this part about me. Whenever you hear someone say that, you can look at the chart and you're gonna see the square, the opposition, or the the right, the conflict that's that has them tied in knots. Okay. And if we're tied in knots with the part of ourselves, how do we think other people are gonna experience that part of ourselves? And so as with Leela, you know, we, we started off Leela as really like and it's, we're still aiming as a relationship app. Yeah. You know, and I was excited at people, if they can understand it. Not that certain signs are good for other signs. It's about if you understand yourself, then compatibility is a choice.
0: It's a choice.
2: And so it's, we started off as like thinking, how do we help people connect? But we realized we have to start with people's relationship to themselves and specifically their relationship to their planets. And so the way we laid it out on the my profile screen is is really introducing people to the planets, and I think astrology is far too sign based. Yes, you know. I think if we can bring it back to the planets, because the planets are the forces inside of us, and if we understand them, right, and we we appreciate their dance and their play, right, what 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 sign they're in, what house they're in, what aspects they're making, what they're looking for, how we can co-create, how we can support the the dance and the play, then then again, life and relationships become they become playing. Right? Yeah. We're trying to see does this work? Does this work? Right? And we're not like all in and then pissed off when it doesn't work. It's more of a question.
0: Compatibility is a choice. Yeah. The New York Post like posted this thing of like people who believe in astrology are like have a lower IQ level and blah blah blah. And it's just like, you know, obviously just clickbait shit, but it's, you know, I think, do you think that sun sign astrology or horoscope astrology is like detrimental to the practice?
2: I don't. I think if people get stuck there, it is, but it's an it's an entryway. It's an entryway. Yeah. Another one of the things this past year that's really like, open my mind is this idea that you know because once you get into the astrology of the planets especially if you're looking at the asteroids it's a lot of information and it's yes. so as as i'm trying to talk to someone i'm helping them understand like how to prioritize what's the loud the, i call the planets the voices in our head what's the loudest voice in your head you know that you actually got to listen to first if everything else is going to be all right and, and I found that in certain people, certain, like the sun is the, is the quietest voice in their head. And these oh, yes. are people that when they read sun sign stuff, they're like, yeah, it kind of speaks to me because the sun is the, the center, but it's not the most dominant and the most powerful. So I think we, we lose people with sun sign astrology and we can gain them when we, if we make astrology more, more planet based because i find when people understand what their strongest planet is that it's a it's more it's more creative than than the rigidity of the sun because the planets were the gods and the goddesses you know and if you can identify to that creative side of yourself that's you know, my wife, calls, she calls it magic. You know? That's when you co-create, you co-create with the, with the gods or with the planets or with the psychological forces, if you will.
0: Well, I hope that more men especially, but I think hopefully people go beyond sun sign astrology to there's so much power in it. But I really love how the Leela app Explains the Planets. It's like the best write-up of that I've seen on any of the astrology apps. So very excited for hopefully other people to download the app and learn more. But we kind of went through Ricky's two retirements and talked about astrology and his relationship with astrology. But we have, you know, a Super Bowl coming up. And whether you're a sports fan or not, you know, Super Bowl is very part of our our cultural culture. It's a cultural moment. And we not only have a former NFL player, but an, but a seasoned astrologer on this podcast. So we have to ask you talk a little bit about Super Bowl predictions and some of the key players. So we're going to talk about a couple things. So first, we're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes, who's the uh, quarterback of the the Chiefs. We're going to talk about Jalen Hurts, who's the quarterback of the Eagles, and that's also a a historic matchup because it's the first time two black quarterbacks have faced each other in a Super Bowl. And then, you know, we have another historic moment is we have two brothers playing each other in the Super Bowl. Um, The Kelsey brothers want Travis Kelsey on the Chiefs and Jason Kelsey on the Eagles. Um, And then we'll just talk a little bit about the teams. And then we have to give our audience just a, a brief snippet of what Rihanna's chart looks like because... We're we're pumped that she's that she's hopefully coming back. So, we'd love to just give do some top line um looks at some of these key players and then, you know, maybe maybe make some predictions at the end. How do you feel about
2: that? Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun.
0: All right, let's get into it. Yeah. So, this year for
3: all you sports and non-sports fans that are listening, the Kansas City Chiefs are playing the Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas City is no stranger to being in the Super Bowl the last few years. They won in 2020. They won again in 2021, but lost. And now they're back again in 2023. Their head coach is Andy Reid, who a bit of tea on him. He used to coach for the Eagles. (laughs) And their quarterback is Patrick
0: Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes has been with the Chiefs his whole career. He's won a Super Bowl with them, was named Super Bowl MVP. And, you know, he's really not playing around. At age 27, an age we talked about in this episode, is very profound. Um, He's the only quarterback in history to throw for over 5,000 yards in a single season, which is a lot of yards.
3: <laughs> a lot of yards. And he just signed a huge, like, fat contract. It was a 10-year contract extension totaling $503 million, so which say. is a number I don't understand in my head. This contract is, like, the third largest known contract in sports history. Um, This is his third time going to the Super Bowl in five years. So what does
1: this chart look like? Uh, He was born on September 17th, 1995 in Tyler, Texas. We don't have a birth time. Um, So I did a solar chart. Uh, but he's a Virgo sun and a Cancer moon. So Ricky has some stuff in common with him.
0: Interesting, Ricky does. Cancer moon club. Hashtag <laughs> respect.
1: He's also in his uh, progress lunar return, um, which is interesting and very cool. Good for him. Uh, so this is uh, a time that's like a big, significant time in his life. Uh, he's in his nodal opposition. will start officially in July, but we're closing in on it. Um, and something that I think is interesting, his natal Mars is in is dignified in Scorpio. His progressed Venus is uh, closely conjunct. It's within a degree now. And that's where transiting the transiting south node is. So I don't know, Ricky, you might have something more interesting than I have to say about this. This is more like something that I just find. It doesn't rule his sun or his moon, but he has already like... It's interesting to me, like, so you have this dignified Mars and then progressive Venus is not strong in um, Scorpio. Or, I mean, it's not technically strong, but it's going to have different sort of strengths. And I feel like it's going to be getting really deep. It could be like digging your heels in. The south node there could be sort of like lowering defenses, which I don't really, I don't know how to play football. I I can watch it. (laughs) The most significant thing to me is definitely that uh, progressed lunar return. Also, his uh, progressed Mercury is conjunct his progressed Chiron. But something interesting that I'll just say up top is that every single chart from here on out um, has stationing Mercury. So within one chart has it within eight days, but everyone else has it within like days or hours. So Mercury is very static in all these charts. And we just had... Mars stationed direct last uh, within a month of the Super Bowl stationed on January 12th. The Super Bowl is on February 12th. So Mars in Gemini, Mercury ruled. So I think it's interesting that there's sort of this like really frenetic Mercury and Martial energy because I feel like Mars always gets pinned with being sort of the planet of athletes. And of course it is, but also Mercury is sort of like that, that activity, that like movement, that sort of almost like neurosis of like needing to move. So please take it away, Ricky.
2: Yeah. So, you know, Typically, if, if I was talking to, to, to Pat, he came in, we were sitting down, you know, we, we, would, we probably wouldn't even talk about the game. You know, the first thing, it would be a deeper conversation. Uh, first thing I'd talk about is the transiting Neptune opposing his son. You know, that's, a, that's like a, that's a major, it's a major life event. So if I'm talking about his internal processes, I'm going to have one conversation, but this is about the Super Bowl. So it's a different conversation. No, and and I think as a football player, what I see often, Tom Brady has this. I have this. The connections between Neptune and Mars. Okay, so I want to talk about Neptune and Mars. Is Neptune is our the ability to use our imagination? Mars battle. Okay, we can imagine ourselves being successful in battle, and I know my most, my biggest games, my biggest performances, where I could imagine myself having those performances, and then I was able to go out there and execute. Okay, right. But you know if we're not handling Neptune right right then we have illusions and we get we, we have disappointment but we, we have access to both okay? and the fact that he's been so successful as an athlete okay, that that is an indication right that he's doing a good job with Neptune so we can we can so for me this is a, a sign that would indicate some sort of uh, potential uh, wonderful performance because it's affecting his his son right. Um, and as I'm saying that, I know that because um, I know in the back of my mind that transiting Jupiter okay, on this day uh, is making a trine aspect to his natal Jupiter. Okay, And traditional astrology says, you know, success, success, success. All right. Um, so an indication there. Uh, again, if I were t- having a more personal conversation, right, I would talk about the the progressed moon. Because right, the synchronicity, of that's how we started the conversation, and here we are, you know? And, and so this, and if I'm tying this to the game, right, this idea of I've done at a young age, okay, I've done everything that a football player can do, that feels a little bit like Neptune, okay? Feels a little bit like Neptune. As you can tell, just the energy I'm picking up from the, from the chart is, you know, I'm predicting, at least at this early in the interpretation, it looks like. He's gonna have a good game. All right. The transiting Venus conjunct the Saturn. Yeah. Okay. Um, and also, you mentioned the progressed the progress Venus. Right. Okay? Yeah. In yeah, Scorpio. I mean, the progressed Venus conjunct Mars. Right. This, Venus. Okay. At least, at least, the idea of Venus. I feel comfortable in a stressful situation. Okay. Cool and collected.
1: Venus and Mars is also together. So, so much about battle and war, like the. Conjunction, I think, was when Russia invaded Ukraine.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Casual.
3: (laughs) Next up, we're moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles, who are considered to be the favorite of the matchup. Um, They were the top seed in the playoffs, and this is their fourth
0: Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, they last won in 2018. But their quarterback this time around is Jalen Hurts. He's 24. He's been with the team since 2020. So what's going on in his chart?
1: He was born August 7th, 1998, and he is a Leo sun and um, uh, an Aquarius moon. He was actually born on a lunar eclipse in Aquarius, which is pretty uh, tight. Ooh,
0: born on an eclipse.
1: Extreme, extreme life circumstances. And the eclipse was conjunct Uranus, Uh, so that's pretty cool. He's also in his Uranus square. It already completed, but by sign it's still occurring. And he, like Patrick, has Mercury stationed in his chart. Mercury stationed retrograde seven days before he was born at 28 degrees Leo, which is also where Venus will station retrograde later this summer. So in some circumstances, I wonder, will that... Uh was that sort of like either predisposing him to like what hurts he will have or what sort of, you know, like maybe he'll come back with a chip on his shoulder uh, because you know, he has like time to go over that sort of pain he has saturn opposing his son saturn and we're on the final leg of this saturn and aquarius so all the lessons that he's learned like they've pretty much compounded they're in his body now i feel like he'll probably go in calm and tempered i would imagine and venus will also be transiting his natal jupiter and pisces so his natal jupiter is dignified he has his natal south node there too interesting his neptune will be on his natal jupiter and the north Node will be on his natal saturn so saturn is really i feel like this is a pretty saturnian story especially in fixed signs it's going to be like for better or worse i guess it's maybe how i feel about saturn a lot of time especially in a fixed sign because i am a leo rising i don't want to change most of the time once it's happened i'm glad is there anything that super sticks out to you ricky uh
2: just thematically um natally the sun and the sun and leo the moon uh and in aquarius conjunct uranus okay like just as a theme in the life okay um because you know i think of i think of leo is about performance or authenticity you know that be like the need to be in charge to be the lead he's the quarterback you know um but there's situations where Aquarian, where right you need to risk the possibility of upsetting your um, your people, okay, all right. So I think there's a, an inner conflict of being what I'm supposed to be, right, or really trusting my intuition, right. And and so just a theme in the life, okay, mm-hmm. just a theme in the background. And right now, currently transiting Uranus, okay. And I mentioned this earlier that when we have a natal aspect or a natal relationship between two planets. And those two planets are also involved in something that's going on currently. Good. That it's it's important, right? And so transiting Uranus making a square to the Sun. Right? Again, we don't know the we don't know the houses because we don't have the birth time. I'd definitely be curious to see what houses, but but it's a test. You know, I think of squares, oppositions, but or tests, and it's a test that he's born to to face. You know, that he's going to have to face over and over again in right? my sense is there's going to be an oppor- there's going to be an opportunity in the game because right on the, the large stage the Leo stage where he's going to have to make a decision about you know making everyone happy or doing what he knows is best. Oh, interesting. Shit. That's tough.
1: Wild. It's also so interesting because um, he's in a first house year, so this year is about him and, and who he is in his own life, and that's sort of like whatever year is like for a Leo in some regards, but. With his son in Leo, so the perfection from his son, it's a solar year. And then from his moon, it's a Saturn year. And on this day, uh, the sun will be applying in conjunction to Saturn in Aquarius, where the sun is, where Saturn is so strong. So it's sort of like really, it's so much like what you just said, sort of like that inner battle or like what I, I have to do what I know is right, Saturn. Or what other people expect of me or.
2: Even the transiting moon passing through Scorpio that day, you know triggering the uranus and the
1: sun. <laughs> Perfect. For kickoff at 4:30, the moon is like has just perfected its opposition with uranus. It's crazy to me. I guess I've never really looked at another um Super Bowl chart to be honest, but <laughs> but that one really seems like a Super Bowl. So,
3: besides the quarterbacks, we also have a brother situation happening that Elise alluded to. Um, the kelsey brothers are playing against each other and this is the first time that two brothers have played each other at the super bowl the only other time was when um two coaches the harbo brothers um, played each other i was there cute you were there cool i
2: was actually uh i was actually um i was hired by espn to to, uh photograph the game so i was on the i was on the field with the camera taking pictures of that super bowl
1: you have many talents gemini yeah
0: (laughs) But yeah, so Travis is 33 and a tight end for the Chiefs. Um, he's played with them his whole career since 2013. He's arguably the more famous brother um, just because he plays offense and gets to be the star a little bit. But also, we're just going to be honest, he's a little bit hotter. And Jason <laughs> is 35, and he's the starting center for the Eagles. And he's been playing with them since 2011, and he's actually the highest played center in the NFL. So even though he doesn't get as much spotlight as Travis, you know, he's a very good player in his own right.
3: So the brothers are two years apart in age. They're super close, but they're also very competitive with each other. So, what do their charts look like?
1: It's very Mars and Gemini for two brothers to be playing each other during the Super Bowl. They're the twins, Castor and yes. Pollux. So I, I love that. Um, then I guess their parents win and lose wealth either way, but that's very cool for a family to experience. I imagine
0: Donna Kelsey is like pretty yeah. much the star of the Super Bowl. That's their mom. <laughs> she like
3: flew around she like went to one game then like got on a plane and like surprised the other brother like after his game yeah
1: so travis is in a 10th house year. this year is big for his career he was born october 5th 1989 again we don't know what time so he's a libra sun and a sagittarius moon what up sagittarius moon club um, so Mars is opposing his moon this day. That's like good for physical activity. I mean, it's like intense. I, I imagine that he will be able to feel it in his like nerves and in his blood. Um, just with that sort of like Gemini neurosis. <laughs> also <laughs> Jupiter is opposing his Mars. And something that I thought is interesting is that both him and his brother have Libra Mars and he was born, uh, one day after Mercury stationed direct. So Mercury again is static in his chart and is stationed direct in Virgo. So it's, uh. Strong. It's in its uh domicile and exaltation. It's able to sort of parse things out. It's in his twelfth solar house, so can maybe see into what other people are thinking. It's a fun twelfth house. I mean, we don't know his real houses, but if we're just doing solar, that's what that could be. Um, and the sun in Saturn are on his north node, so in terms of like his destiny, I don't, I don't work as much with the nodes. I use them more as like transiting and like knowing when something's going to happen. I would say this is like. It's Almost interesting because it's like, okay, you're in the spotlight, but like, which way is it going to turn you, or which way is it going to, you know, is it going to be this sort of like dignified victory, or is it going to be the disappointing time when you realize you're, you know, a member of society? Not that he wouldn't think that every other day of his life, but his progressed Mars is also in Scorpio, so it could be gearing up, it could be like really beefed. Um, and his progressed Mercury is conjunct his natal Pluto, so this could be like realizing things about yourself i mean realizing things about all how far he's come his progressed son is also conjunct progressed pluto so that's like a lot of pluto going on or a little pluto going on it's also where the moon will be when uh kickoff is happening that's or is it the coin t- toss when the game starts i bet he'll just be i would imagine this just when the game starts like i mean this is again speculation of course but it just i imagine it's going to be like just such an introspective and sort of moment of like culmination, realization, sort of like going into something.
2: Well, this is a this would be a great uh, this would have been a great time to have uh, birth times because then we could just I focus. Know. We could just focus on the third house. Ricky, we should have know?
0: had you tweet at them because I feel like they would have <laughs> responded to you. If they would not have responded to us next time.
2: I, honestly, I think we should start something because I'm. I think together we could get a lot of we can get a lot of information.
1: Yes, <laughs> two Gemini's.
2: So, you know, the first thing that jumps out to me in, in Jason's chart is all the energy in Scorpio. His, his, his progressed Mars conjunct his sun, um, Pluto conjunction, the, the transiting moon will be activating it that day. Um, and also his natal moon is, is being affected there in Taurus. And so when I see all of this stimulation, it gets me excited about this is gonna be like a major, a major life event.
0: Wow. And they both have Super Bowl rings, right? Jason and Travis. So it's not like neither so it's kind of interesting. It's like this is sort of like they're equal right now, but some obviously one of them is gonna walk away, walk away a winner. Um, you know, and people don't usually look at like defense charts, you know, for the Super Bowl. I know last year. It was really big on Twitter, like um, on Sean McVay's chart, who was the coach of the Rams, had some really big placements, or people look at quarterbacks like we do. But, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to look like he has a pretty lit up chart for the Super Bowl, so it's going to be a major event for him, you know, just not as like he might not as be as in the spotlight as his brother.
1: His son is in Scorpio. His moon's in Taurus, so the eclipses are happening on his both of his lights.
2: Yeah, and the progressed sun can jump Saturn. And uh, progress sun trying to progress Jupiter. Yeah. So it's it's a lot. So when I look at a, like a contest, right, if you think of who has the most who has the most force, who has the most energy. So I look at charts like this, I say like because it's a contest between two teams and whatever right. whoever has the most energy, the most force is gonna overcome the other.
1: Yeah. Wow. And it says Jupiter return.
0: Fun. Oh shit. Okay. So now we'll we'll look really quickly. Obviously, like Ricky said, it's whoever has brings the most collective energy. So we obviously looked at individual players, but we can look at the charts for the team. So um, you know, the Eagles were founded on July eighth, nineteen thirty-three. Um so Dana, do you wanna just give a little top line about what the Eagles chart uh, for the team chart looks at.
1: Um, they have a Cancer sun and uh, an Aquarius moon. So it's also a full moon phase, um, even though the sun and moon are in conjunct. Uh, it's, they are currently in a sixth house year. So this year is all about work, 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 work. And Mercury stationed retrograde eight days after the founding of the team, which is the furthest out. Okay, so yeah, this is like my big uh, fixation for this, for this uh, episode. I feel like I get in one every time, and it's really just these Mercury stationing in every chart. Saturn is on the north node of, Saturn and the Sun will be conjunct the north node for the Phillies. So yeah, that could be like, either way, it's sort of like, this is going to be monumental. The Philadelphia
0: Eagles. That's what I meant. The Phillies are a baseball right, team, Right, but right, right. Yes. Gosh. <laughs> you guys know what Dana meant.
1: Their progressed moon is in Taurus. Interesting. That's exalted. So yeah, the moon's in Aquarius, Chiron is in Gemini, and uh, Mars is in Libra for this July 8th, 1933 chart. So it's this air trine of... Mars, the moon, and Chiron. So it's sort of Chiron and Gemini is very much a chip on your shoulder. Maybe also about like what you're like secure about, what you feel, you know, what you feel like you're allowed to like say. I don't know, maybe they will be shit talking. The moon in Aquarius is like, it's very much the everyman. And then Mars and Libra can be like also sort of a chip on your shoulder. Whenever there's a a planet in detriment, it's like a chip on your shoulder. You're developing this sort of overcoming something uh, related to it.
0: No one talks more shit than... The Philadelphia Eagles fans—that's for sure—and everyone from Phil—everyone from Philadelphia—acts like they have a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm sure Ricky has uh, experienced, um, you know, what it's like to play at, a, at an Eagles game, but I can't imagine it's uh its a—it's a—it's a delightful experience. They seem fun. Yeah, I
2: mean, and they're. In the, yeah, in the natal chart, the Saturn, Saturn opposing opposing Mercury, you know, shit, the shit talking. But, but <laughs> so aside from the Super Bowl, just really thinking of, I think, uh, how teams could go about considering finding which players to draft is finding players that have strong resonance with their natal chart. And one of the things we saw in Jalen Hurts' chart that I pointed out was um, in his chart, he had the... Um, the the Uranus sun, okay, and and so we see in Eagles chart that Jalen's sun, I think, it's fifteen degrees Leo, okay, right here opposing their opposing their Saturn, and he had his Moon in Aquarius here at like ten degrees and Neptune right at zero degrees. So we see a compatibility, we see a resonance between Jalen and the and the Eagles, okay. Um, I think that means he's their guy for the next for the future. Is, is, is the way I would I would say it. Um as far as this year, I I don't see enough and again we don't know houses so I can't see stimulus to the 10th house ruler, but I don't see enough activity, energy hitting the sun in this chart.
0: Mm. So probably not going to be them. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: well, well that's
0: We're jumping ahead. Like so let's just look at the Chiefs founding chart. So They're a little bit interesting. They actually started as the Texans and then they moved to Kansas City in 1963. But we're still going to look at like when this team specifically was founded. And that was in um, 1959.
1: Uh, So their sun is in Leo. Their moon is in Capricorn. Uh, Mercury Station direct one day after... It was founded or the team was founded in Leo and they're currently in a fourth house year. The fourth house is a year of endings, year of beginnings. It's a year of really getting to the root. It's their solar opposition. So that's, you know, being in the spotlight. The sun is, or Saturn is also, it's interesting, I guess all, like there's so much Aquarian, at least for both teams, like Philly having their moon in Aquarius and with the sun and Saturn there, and then the chiefs being a Leo sun especially with Mercury Retrograde. Mercury Retrograde in Leo is not as much shit-talking as much as it's like, def- I mean, that they're really going to be defending themselves against any shit-talking, I suppose. It's also their Mercury opposition, so they have Mercury and then Saturn sort of like, I feel like they're, this is, this is like a game where they will be learning, of course, <laughs> but they've already learned so much to get there. Maybe this will be like the time, like, I don't know, I just feel like the sun in Leo against Saturn in Aquarius is so, like, ready to shine. Every Leo sun, Leo placements are like, I've, like, learned so much. Like, I've really been through it and sort of, like, anything a Leo can be proud of is, like, they're going to be. Like, it's sort of like, yeah, I've, I went through all this bullshit and I'm done and I'm here and I'm ready to play.
2: Yeah, so, so kind of what, based on what I said about the, the Eagles chart, I look at this chart and I'm looking for a stimulus to the natal sun, all right? And it can progress Uranus moves super slow, but it gives me a little bit there. The uh, transiting, the transiting sun, okay, um, is giving a little bit of energy, not not so much. Um, so I, I see there's definitely more stimulus here. I also looked at Jupiter. Uh, Jupiter at natal Jupiter at 23 degrees Scorpio is receiving a sextile from transiting Neptune. Right. So I see a lot. I see a lot more energy a lot more juice and a theme that keeps coming up over and over again is is transiting uranus uranus so um transiting uranus here at 15 degrees squaring the natal uranus here and i mentioned it with the eagles chart and with jalen hurts it's a theme and earlier today i was sitting outside and i was thinking about this interview and i said i want to do an orary chart for the game because it popped into my consciousness about who's gonna who's gonna win and as I did it, it was right before, like, a couple moons at 15 degrees, Leo, the sun, I think, at 16 degrees now, right? Like, right on this axis, you know? And so my sense is it's going to be a crazy game, you know, maybe a whole lot of lead changes. But we can expect to see Uranus in full force um, I love in, that. In, this, in this game. All at right. least that'll
3: be a fun game then. I mean, not for the players, but for people watching. <laughs> We've seen a lot of
0: boring-ass Super Bowls. Have we? One that comes to mind is... Uh, the Super Bowl that we had to endure as Bears fans when it was like super exciting with Devin Hester in the beginning and then like they didn't score the whole time and it was just like a blowout and it was so boring (laughs) so I'm excited to hear Ricky that you don't think this is going to be a blowout one way or the other it's going to be an exciting game so we're fucking pumped for that so if you had to pick based on all these charts we looked at we looked at six charts we looked at Jalen Hurts, we looked at Patrick Mahomes the Kelsey brothers we looked at the team charts if you had to give your pick, what would it be? Which team?
2: It's funny. The first thing, I, the caveat I have to make is when Uranus is around, it's the trickster. So you have to expect the unexpected. Okay? And from what I can tell based on my system of what has the most energy, I'm going with the Chiefs. You heard it That's here what first, I was thinking.
0: Ricky Williams is going with the Chiefs. Dana also agrees. <laughs> Which is important to note, I guess. And so uh we're excited to see uh if, if if this is if this is correct, but we're gonna have a game with a lot of energy and, and we'll see who who pulls through. But it's gonna be, I think, big and exciting for, for all involved. But we cannot end this episode with that prediction. We need to talk about one more winner, hopefully, of this Super Bowl, and that is Rihanna.
3: Yes, she is performing for the first time in what seems like eternity. Normally, also, it's important to note, I'm an advertiser. Super Bowl for me is my event of the year in my industry. And it's important to say that the halftime show for the first time again in what seems like since the dawn of time is not put on by Pepsi, but it is put on by Apple Music. So it might be more aggressive Might in a good aggressive.
0: way. Pepsi is a very conservative company. Traditionally there's a lot of shit that they don't like let artists do. So I'm curious to see how this sort of like maybe redefines what a Super Bowl halftime performance is. Um Rihanna hasn't put out an album since twenty sixteen. We got a ballad from her last year, but you know, that's not what we want from Rihanna. So this is a big deal. So what's going on with her transits at this performance, Dana?
1: She is in an eleventh house year and her 11th house is Aquarius, and she has...
0: 11th house, house of audience.
1: Right, and her natal Mercury retrograde is there, so that's loud, especially with all the Aquarius uh, transits going on, including Saturn, Sun, and Mercury, so it's her the beginning of her Mercury return. But also her progressed Mercury, or her progressed midheaven is conjunct her natal Mercury. Her, her natal is at 13 degrees, her progressed midheaven's at 14, so it's sort of like... The Midheaven being your, you know, your career, your reputation, sort of like wh- where you were seen in public. That's pretty spot on. But also, um, Neptune is conjuncturnatal north node. So I wonder if even she knows what, what's going to happen next uh, or if she's just sort of going with the flow and, and feeling it out as much as we are. Um, I love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> i'm so excited this is like the most exciting thing that's uh happened to me at least performance wise and if frank ocean drops an album this year too you guys can bet i will i don't know it'll be over for me in a good way also transiting jupiter is conjunct her progress Sun. i mean it's pulling away transiting jupiter is at eight degrees her progress Sun's at six degrees aries so it's sort of uh just like i feel like i mean aries being such a you know it's where the sun is exalted it's like the fire sign that's like I'm here. I'm ready to try anything. Maybe she'll be experimenting or doing some new stuff. I would love that personally. What do you guys see?
2: Yeah, I like the I like the theme of experimentation. Since we've been talking about Uranus, and where I can bring Uranus in here is that transiting transiting Uranus squaring her progressed midheaven, and also I, I look I'm looking at the Placidus chart, the progressed Moon moving through Cancer and the fourth. You know, and this kind of I think like the, the cancer, the womb, fourth house, the home, right? And it's not just going there, but it's like something is cooking. Okay.
0: But this is also her first performance as a mother.
2: Yeah. Ah, oh, here yes. Some, yeah, here we go. Exactly. Wow. Cancer, womb, mother. Oh, that's so beautiful. This is gonna be
0: really yep. cool. Like this is actually like a very this is a very exciting. So obviously I'm hoping we hear I don't know if this will be a new music or what, but I think we're all going to be able to be winners with this halftime performance.
2: Expect it to be heartfelt is what I would say. Oh, heartfelt. I love
0: that. I love that. I think so, I too. will probably cry. All right. <laughs> I will cry. Will be- I think I'll cry. I think it'll be a little nostalgic, too, because, again, like, it forces us cancer. Yeah. But anyway, Ricky, we've, we've held your time for long enough, but we are so grateful that you joined us. Um, we would love to know, like, where can people find you on the internet? Um, do you have any announcements about the Lila app? We can look forward to. Uh, would love to, to know where people can can connect with you.
2: Yeah, so Lila, we just we just released Transits, which I'm really excited Hell about. Hell yeah! Um, yeah, so. Uh, really excited and we're working on relationships. We're working on improving the, my profile section. So we're just, just know that it's, it's, we love the writing. We love what we're doing and we're constantly working to keep improving. So it's an excellent check app. It out and please give us. Give I us endorsed feedback, it yeah? long
1: before we had this, uh, partnership.
0: All right, Ricky. Well, thank you. This is the best, but we'll put in links to Ricky's socials and the Leela app, but we're really excited. And Um, We hope you guys uh, learned a lot from this episode as we... Ricky's a wealth of knowledge, so we're so thrilled to have you on here.
2: Yeah, Gemini, I mean...
0: (laughs) Knowledge, Gemini, hell yeah. All right, well, thank you, Ricky.
1: Thank you guys for listening to this episode. And if you want to help support and grow the podcast, you can subscribe to our Patreon. For $5 a month, you get at least two extra episodes.
3: And if you want to help us out even more... You could leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and DM us a screenshot of that review, we'll make you a custom meme of your big three and send you a quick write-up about it.
1: Definitely do that. I'm truly gifted at making these memes. We also have (laughs) cool Allegedly Astrology merch for all signs on TeePublic, so go there and check it out.
3: And make sure you follow us on social media. We're Allegedly Astrology on Instagram, Reddit, Hey Hero, and TikTok, and Allegedly Astro on Twitter.
1: And you can visit our website, AllegedlyAstrology.com, to learn more about us and the show. Book a reading with me, Dana. And check out charts and transcripts for select episodes. I'm Elise. I'm Dana.
0: And I'm Sarah. And this is Allegedly Astrology.